The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. What I do, Jeremy? What I do? I just I just hit my mic really hard. Hopefully, hopefully it didn't show up. Well, you do that every time. So let me set it from the top then. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. And now also on YouTube, search for Pride of Detroit and twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Folks, we, we've got a lot of stuff coming for the season. The, the Detroit Lions season is here like a thief in the night. We're going to be all over the place. YouTube and Twitch are going to be very, very active. You want to be subscribed. You need to be subscribed on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit and over at YouTube, search for Pride of Detroit and catch the, the POD cast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. We're probably there. And you know what? Our lives are... You know, it, it, Pride of Detroit, where our slogan is, our dating lives are better than Jay Cutler's. Joining me today, as we do... What? Maybe. (laughs) I think the absence of a dating life is still better than Jay Cutler's. (laughs) Knowledge star. Anyway, uh, that voice right there is Mansour Mansour Shaheen, which I haven't been using his theme music. I'm going to use it in the podcast right here i get those goosebumps every time yeah. you come around yeah. at mansour shaheen on twitter he's joining us hello mansour hello chris i actually don't think i've listened to the song goosebumps in a while so i should yeah think remind you yeah. that song yeah yeah R- remind you to listen to our own podcast yeah um <laughs> i am chris perfett the the adequate host at chris perfett on twitter p-e-r-f-e-t-t and give respect to your fearless leader Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. How you doing, buddy? I am so excited and already a little bit exhausted now that the season is literally here. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday night. Right now, a week from now, we will be watching football, real football, for the first time together. And that's absolutely insane to me. Yeah, I know I'm going biblical by using Thief in the Night here, but that's what it feels like. It I I just watched the thunder choke away a game seven in probably the worst play I've ever seen Billy Donovan draw up. And now yet within that time frame, I'm like, Oh wait, football's almost here too. In, in less than two weeks. 
that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make nothing makes sense. We're in nope. the time warp. We're in we're in kind of the zone and football's coming and you're not ready for it, folks. You're just not ready for it. I'm ready for it. Are you ready for I, it, man? I say no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. You're also you're also uh, sleeping on Central Arkansas Austin Pay. You forgot to Oh, that, yeah. that was real football just because uh, <laughs> they're not FBS. <laughs> is, well, is Central is Central Arkansas any different from any other region of Arkansas? Central um, Arkansas is playing again. Clearly, the they're in the middle. Uh, are they playing again? Can anyone tonight? tell? Yeah, that that game was terrible. That was like that game. Yeah, terrible football. That's how okay, a lot wait. of NFL teams might look early in the year. So <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Things are gonna look extremely sloppy, and I'm here for it. We're recording on Thursday. Central Arkansas is playing again tonight. They just played yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, it was like Saturday. four days, two games or something. Yeah. And they're playing UAB. They're going to get smacked. I mean, that's a paycheck game, right? UAB is going to give them maybe, probably, probably maybe. gave them like 300K to get beat down. Is, it, hey, is this an let's... FCS podcast? Is that what's happening now? We're so no sorry for football podcast. that we're talking about Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas. I, I think the N- <laughs> this is probably the first time in first times the NFL playing football is more moral than college football playing football, right? Now. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. And you can direct your hate tweets to at Chris Perfett, B-E-R-F-E-T-T. That is he, my opinion, you bastards. He's lying. He changed it. At Detroit on Lion. How dare you? <laughs> And you can find Manser at Ryan underscore P-O-T. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we need to get into it here. We've told you guys, and I, I want to stress this again before we get into it. Pride of Detroit. Jeremy, you will attest this. All, all, all feet are on one pedal at once to just drive us straight into danger zone. Yes. We are going season. full 16-cylinder season. That's right. I said it. We're bringing back cylinder talk. We're up to 16 this season. This is a Detroit podcast. We're doing cars. That ESPN graphic that they loved. (laughs) Yeah. With (laughs) the running game breaking down. How bad our running game is. Yeah, we have carry on Johnson now. Not this year, buddy. DeAndre (laughs) Swift. We're kicking things into extra gear. You know, like, like a manual transmission i'm just i'm just throwing out car terms that and hoping that it makes sense because as it's been well established on this podcast we don't know anything about cars i do i changed my oil the other month what yes is that and you're not talking like that's not that's not a thing that is not (laughs) okay I've done the euphemism many, many, many times. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know why I decided to take that down that road, uh, but it was a mistake. You stepped in it. Now, let's get to the preview. We've wasted enough time here. Uh, Just, uh, again, one more time, like, prior to Detroit, we're going to have so much out, guys. Like, we've got some, we don't have any new writers, but we've got plenty of stuff on there where we have to pick up the slack. Kent is on to a lot of really cool things, and you should be following Math Bomb on Twitter. Um, he's got his own gig now with RAS. So some of us are picking up where he's left off. Others of us, we're just going to be covering these games. It's going to be weird in the age of COVID-19, but I guarantee you we got this. We're going to be doing plenty of podcasts too. I already know we're already planning for our Bears preview podcast, but I want to turn the attention to previewing the season itself right now. So I feel like there is no better place to start when talking about the weirdness of the Lions that we have been that I've seen fans so negative on this team and kind of already some of them already giving up. And I don't understand why it's, you know, I'm a negative guy. 
And yet, at the start of an NFL season, anything can happen. But uh, national experts are picking the Lions in shocking and alarming ways. I mean, I know Mina Kimes at ESPN has been riding them almost the point where I think it's a meme at this point. And I know from working, I've worked on with several Vegas guys, and I know that some sharps out there, they think it's a really good bet to take the Lions season total over six and a half, which I mean, that doesn't mean much of anything. It's, you know, it could mean seven and nine. It could mean eight and eight. That's not a playoff team, but it's still a vast improvement over last season. So what, what, how do you guys feel about this? Because I talked with a Bills fan of mine and he says he hates national attention. It all, it always makes him itchy. And he's like, I start running for the Hills when people are giving us attention. So what do you got? How do you guys feel about this? Where is attention coming from? I think the over 6.5 bet is just a good bet in a season like this one where like, I think Jeremy said, it's going to be super sloppy and like these teams aren't going to look like they know what they're doing until like halfway through the year. Right. Because usually like week one through three are sloppy as hell in the NFL. So now we're taking away preseason. Like, so yeah, I mean, there's a chance that a team bumbles their way to seven and nine, right? Like I think, yeah, 6.5. That is actually like, if you look at the like usual over under win totals, that actually is super low. Like it's rare that teams are anything less than six or anything higher than like 10, unless they're like a, a real like contender like the chiefs this year or a team that we expect to go in 16 like washington this year like a team that's like genuinely terrible so i think yeah why not smash over 6.5 but when it comes to people thinking we're going to win the division i'm surprised we're getting this attention and not like the miami dolphins but i think the dolphins and the bills kind of are canceling each other out but <laughs> yeah it's i think i think it might just be that everyone's looking at the bears the packers and the vikings and seeing that these teams are much worse than they've been in the past and that these three teams don't really look like contenders or like they're capable of doing anything in the playoffs. So everyone's like, okay, uh, Lions, they're a cool startup. Stafford had a good half season last year. Let's just smash them. Jeremy, uh, do you think anything has maybe changed in the past week as far as calculus for some of these people seeing the pickups that the Minnesota Vikings have made or no? Yeah, it'll, it'll change a little bit. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe is, is 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 a significant addition, and the the big knock on on the Vikings this offseason was that they lost all that defensive talent. So that's going to make up for some of it, no question. Um, but I mean, at, at the same time, it is just one person, and I think that the Vikings have a little more flaws than that. I think offensively speaking, they need to find their footing again, uh, especially without Diggs this year. I know they got Justin Jefferson, but they're not exactly the same kind of guys. I don't think they're interchangeable. They're going to have to change what they do on offense. So. There are a lot of questions, and I think that you know bringing into the, the other teams in the division really is important in this discussion because I think every everyone that's picking the Lions nationally are kind of doing it backhandedly, right? Like you, you <laughs> see Mina Kimes doing, you see, and like you said, it's almost like a meme. They're kind of joking about. It. They're like, we know this isn't probably the right thing to do, but I'm kind of feeling it. And then you look at someone that I actually do really, and not that I don't respect these other people, but like that does seem like an objective, like real analysis of the lines, like football outsiders. They picked them as the most likely team to go worst to first this year. And then they took it a step further and said, well, our projection model actually says, Hey, they have the best odds to win the NFC North. And that's when I pay attention. Now there's a couple of weird factors in here though, to, to bring into, into mind here. First of all, they did the exact same thing last year. And so obviously you have to be like, well, maybe we shouldn't trust this prediction model so much if they literally had the lines as favorites last year. And then also, again, it's kind of like a backhanded compliment when you, when you deep, you dive a little deeper into their analysis, they say, well, 
the only reason we have them as favorites is because everyone in the division has between a 21 and 29% chance to win the division by our prediction model. So everyone is lumped together. In a way, the Lions being favorites to win the division is really more a telltale sign that this division just isn't that strong this year. And so, yeah, a team like the Lions could certainly take it. This definitely is not a strong division looking around it. Like, no, it's terrible. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Vikings. I, I think they're my favorite to win the division right now. But like, who knows? I, I think depending what happens with quarterback with the Bears, we could get anything. And I know they've got a decent defense and maybe that carries them. But like that offense is just it's it's non-existent. Like the quarterback isn't great. I, I'm not expecting Foles to suddenly ball out. I'm sorry. And their run game isn't good enough to complement, you know, a maybe mid-tier quarterback at best if it's Trubisky or Foles. Yeah, so, the, the, the Bears offense yeah. is a black hole. There's there's yeah. not even like potential there really. Like some team is like, yeah, if this guy plays well, like them, it's like that like Trubisky's bad. Foles got bent for six rounder last year. The offensive line bad. Weapons they have won, but bad. Like, you know, like <laughs> They that got ten tight ends though. Yeah, yeah and they're all bad too. Jimmy Graham, <laughs> like they, they're not very good either. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that team's a black. That offense is not going to do anything this season. There's the no one, wa- yeah, the one wild card I really have is the Packers. I just don't know what to make of the Packers right now. Like, and that I guess kind of depends on whether you buy into Aaron Rodgers being under pressure or not. Uh, what we even do with their offense and their defense is kind of messy. I I think is a kind word for it. I I think the story of the Packers this year is like, well, what's changed? And yeah, yeah, yeah. They went, what was it? 13 and three or or 12 and four last year. They, 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 they talked about the conference finals, but I think a lot of people would agree. And, and analytics agree as well. Like that was a, a, way overperforming season for them. Their, Mm -hmm. their, their turnover rate was incredible. Their, their record in short games, uh, close games, I should say, was was unsustainable. So a lot of people expect a, a, a fall down to earth. And then it's interesting because their GM was crazy active in 2019. And then, you know, Green Bay's like, we, we finally turn a new page. This team's going to be aggressive. We're not going to waste Aaron Rodgers' years. And then they come out this year and do nothing. Well, not nothing. Not nothing. Not they got nothing. Jordan Love. Well, okay, in, in the draft, they did something. <laughs> but they did nothing for this year, right? That's not yeah, a move yeah. for this year. And so it, it's interesting. Everyone's kind of expecting them to, to, to kind of fall, you know, back to earth. And, you know, when, when you look at kind of analytics and, and the way year-to-year things go, offense is usually a lot more consistent than defense. And the Packers had one of these crazy – defensive seasons last year almost like the bears did in 2018 and we all saw what happened to the bears last year they weren't they weren't terrible they were still pretty good but they weren't this crazy you know record-setting defense and i think there's a pretty good chance we see the same kind of thing happen with the packers this year and i think it's important to look at division itself because those kind of falling back down to earth that always affects the division more than anything else i believe like sometimes sometimes a team falling back down to earth they can still clean up their division fine but I more often than not, it's not going to be the Lions getting walked over by the Bears and the Packers. And indeed, the ba- the Lions are starting the year with two NFC North divisional opponents, which we haven't seen in a very long time. Usually the Lions for the last few four seasons, I feel like, Jeremy, it's been the, the NFC North schedule has been back ended for the Lions. They don't really get to play everyone this early. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, yeah, like you said, they're going to get tested right away with with two divisional games right off the bat. They get to host the Bears in week one, and then they got to travel to Lambeau right away um, when when none of these teams are really going to be prepared for any of that. And so yeah, this is going to be like the preseason because of COVID. Yeah, they're, they're going to basically have to test their own identities, figure out who they are against the division. And that that's going to put a lot of pressure on some of these guys, which kind of brings you into um, the Lions offseason strategy a little bit. And. You know, I don't know if, if this was just kind of a talking point that all the Lions coaches got on or if this was a real strategy of theirs, but they kept saying, you know, we knew during free agency this could be a disrupted season. We knew this could be a season which our offseason was going to be short, shortened. Our players maybe didn't what weren't going to get the kind of offseason program that they're used to. So let's go bring in a bunch of veterans that already know our system. Let's bring in Duran Harmon. Let's bring in Jamie Collins. Let's bring in Danny Shelton. Guys that have played in these this defense before and guys that shouldn't need a full offseason to get acclimated. And so on paper, that makes a lot of sense. Now, whether these guys are going to be up for it, a lot of them are going to be taking you know, an increased role than, than what they're used to. But on paper, it kind of makes sense what the Lions did this offseason. And, and it's kind of, you know, it, it, it's, it's a source for some optimism, at least. Yeah, yeah I we, could see. Yeah, well, sorry, go on, man, sir. Yeah, we were, I mean, we, yeah, we were in a spot where we kind of had to make a big additions on defense. Like the defense last year was absolutely terrible. So we had to make big changes. So it does make sense to like find players who, you know, at least played in a similar role in the past. But it also means that like when you're adding so many new players and the players don't play, they, you know, the Jamie Collins never played alongside Jared Davis in July and July. So mm-hmm. there, there's clearly like just a missing piece of chemistry there. And they're not going to have any preseason. So I think like, the, the strategy is good, and it, they were in a spot where they had to make additions on defense. So they definitely did the right thing, but it's going to be a mess, like, for at least to start. Like, these, these guys aren't going to, like, you know, I mean, they're not, they've never played alongside each other, especially, like, in the front seven. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, and they had, lim- they had limited time for a lot of it, too. Um, and I know, again, as a note, if you're listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube, we are recording this on a Thursday, so this is before... 53-man rosters have been finalized, so there's probably going to be some cuts coming, some of these guys, too. I know me and Jeremy, we made our predictions on Tuesday when we recorded. Is that right, Jeremy? Was it Tuesday? I, this uh, week yeah. kind of is weird to me. Okay, Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. I, I apologize. My, my brain's kind of been fogged lately. <laughs> um, so we're going to see some changes there, but I think the, the point still stands. This is a brand new, they've overhauled their defense, and it's absolutely, I would say, an upgrade over 2019 it's hard not to be an upgrade over 2019 like it's being an upgrade from dirt but yeah i mean yeah it, it kind of goes back to the offseason question that i feel like we've asked a, a billion times um on this podcast alone is it's changed but is it better and yes. like, like Mansoor said change was absolutely necessary and the lines probably went you know around the best way they could have um but but given that, you know, none of these guys have played together, given that a guy like Deron Harmon is going to go from being the guy that comes off the bench to a starter, Jamie Collins, like you said, dealing with a couple new linebackers that, that he's never played alongside. He's never succeeded outside of New England either. And then Danny Shelton, again, a, a guy who had a rotational role in New England, now kind of thrust into a starting role. Is that all going to work? Um, I, I do tend to think that these guys are are better fit for what, um, the Lions want than than some of the guys they're replacing. Desmond Trufant for Darius Slay, probably not an upgrade there. If, if there's one big offseason move that that didn't move the needle in the upward 
trajectory. But then again, you also have Jeff Okuda now, and he's probably better than Rashawn Melvin, even right away, I would say. So um, a lot of changes. I, I'm with you that I think the the defense is going to be better because there isn't a lot of room downwards. And also, like I said, defense tends to vary more year to year. And there were a lot of trends that the Lions kind of fell on the unlucky side last year in terms of like fumble recovery. And, and again, that, that close game record. So I do think the defense will improve. The question is, will it be good enough? Will it be average? Will it be still below average? And those are questions I don't think we're, we're going to get an answer to until at least October, maybe even November. Well, let's give an answer right now. What do you feel? Do you feel like it? What, how do you feel you see this trending? Prediction time. Jumping right into it already. <laughs> yeah. No, no, just, just for this particular element. Yeah, before we- yeah no, I, I, I think they're going to be better, but I think they're gonna, it's still going to be below average. I think it's going to take a while for it all to come together. Um, we, we talked a little bit during the 53-man podcast. Um, I, I like the depth of our linebacker core a lot better, but I still don't like the starters. The defensive line is kind of the opposite. I think it's it's got some decent starters, but almost no depth. And then the secondary, I'm feeling okay about. I think. I think Okuda is going to be good, but not great to start. And I I do like our safeties if they can stay healthy. Man, sir, if I, if I I know this might be a tall order here, but if I told you, can you rank? Cause I know you've been doing all the season previews for all the teams. Where would you say you rank this lions defense? Like right now among 32 teams, probably below below average ish, like not like bottom, bottom, but like in the 20s, 20, 25 range. I mean, I think that's still pretty low. Yeah. In a year, in a year like this, especially like it's like star power is going to matter so much, if that makes sense. Like, yes, you the the talent that each individual player has is going to be huge because like these players aren't going to be meshing together well anywhere. So I like, I mean, I brought up the Dolphins already once. I think like what the Dolphins did. And again, this isn't the Lions fault. They this is an uncontrollable thing, but like something with the dolphins did where they brought in like Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy and players that like have played extremely well in the past. And while the lions brought in guys that maybe aren't as like good as them individually, but have played well in the system or played as well in the system. But like the individual talent just isn't there for the lions and in a year like this, where I feel like individual talent's going to matter more than anything because everything's going to be a mess. They're probably still going to be pretty bad, not 32nd in the NFL, but pretty bad i mean they really don't have a, a star on defense yeah. period like trey, trey flowers, trey flowers the isn't that guy, but he's, he's not, not Khalil right, Mack. He's not right exactly he's, yeah he, he's a guy who's like he's a good support same with Daron Harmon. they're both players who are good but they're good at making everyone else around them better but yeah. like that also requires everyone to kind of be coordinated but that's not going to happen this year and trey flowers isn't a Khalil Mack guy who's going to just rip the ball out of the quarterback's hand every play or something like where is it going to come from I think that's a good place to leave that there. When we come back, I want to talk about identity. I want to talk about the big guy, Matthew Stafford. I have a take on him that I want to share with you guys. And we're going to kind of go down, kind of like what we did here for defense. I want to talk a little bit more on the defense later on, but I also want to hit on the the offense. And then later in the show, we're going to run down the schedule. We're not going to get predictions for everything, but I want to talk about some of that. I'm going to talk a little bit about the home field advantage or lack thereof in the in the weird age of covid and we'll make some various bold predictions throughout the show but we're going to take a quick break here if you're watching on twitch we're going to answer some of your questions we're going to we're going to chat it up a little bit more but on the podcast we'll be right back this is the pride of detroit pod cast
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, before I get to what I want to say about Stafford, I know, Mansur, during the break, you were addressing Twitch chat with uh, something juicy about the defense. Did you want to share that again? About the defensive line? Like what I said about Aaron Yeah, Donald? yeah, because we, we, oh, yeah. we got in a conversation about, you know, last year it was definitely built more for stuffing the run, and we were talking about whether or not that was kind of more beneficial to this division versus stopping the pass rush. And obviously stopping the pass is more beneficial a lot of the time, but you had some other great points. So I just want to see if you can rehash Oh, them. yeah. I think I think the Vikings and the Packers in particular are teams that are going to run the ball very well, especially both teams kind of having problems in their passing offense. The Packers, they're yet again a team with one receiver. The Vikings lost their best offensive weapon, Stephon Diggs, this offseason. So they're teams who definitely will run the ball a lot. And I think uh, our... I mean, we'll see how Danny Shelton, Nick Williams, and Deshaun Hand work out, but I think our like defensive line and their ability to stop the stop the run up front will be pretty big this season. Even though, like in theory, like stopping the pass is much more important, just because of the divisional matchups we have. Okay, does that put a bow on the defense? Or do uh, I, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about them in a little bit? Uh, but I want to move on. I don't want to talk about their defense anymore. I don't want to think about their defense anymore. I would rather spend the next hour and a half talking about their offense, though. Do do you like being a defensive-minded team now, Jeremy? Isn't this what you always wanted? Honestly, it is what I've always wanted. This is the cursed monkey paw. If you look at my history of jerseys, it's mostly defensive players because I love having a big, strong defense, like shutting down opposing offenses because it feels like, I don't know, it just there's something amazingly cool about stopping a guy like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. It seems like the impossible. And so the teams that can do that, I'm extremely jealous of. And so, yeah, Matt Patricia's here. Hooray. We're going to do it. Curl the monkey paw. Patrick Mahomes on your team. So I think that's why the offense is. No, I've, I've been an offensive guy. Yeah. I've always been an offensive guy. You know me. I want besides establishing the run game being my motto. I like, I like high fly and offense, which is why now I want to talk about Matthew Stafford, which at this point in his career, Matthew Stafford, we've said all we can about him. You, you have your opinion about Matthew Stafford one way or another. He is 32. He will be 33 next February. He's done everything I think you can ask of a quarterback at this point. I get that some people are expecting him to 
make the sun and the earth move. And there's something to be said about a quarterback that can overcome the faults and defects of a, of a bad defense, but not to the tune in which the Lions have been putting out there sometimes. Or, and sometimes a quarterback can avoid and make up for the deficiencies in their offensive line. Not to the tune of how bad in the past the offensive line has been. I'm not saying this for this year, but in past years, the offensive line Stafford's had that kind of working against him a little bit. His ratings have been great in the games he played last year. His stats have been terrific. I guess the question is, as I look at that, is that I want to see an MVP season out of him. I know that's almost hell to ask for when you've got young guys like Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying he's going to be MVP, but he needs, but to overcome the deficiencies on the defense this year, once again, (laughs) I am asked once again, I am asking Matthew Stafford to play some hero ball here because I think nothing less than Stafford balling out is enough to save this Lions defense from a sub 500 record. I think he can do it, though. I think if nothing else, with all he has to prove, and I'm going mental fortitude and grit here, Jeremy, and I know how much you love that, but I'm going grit and toughness and heart and soul over statistics and analytics. But I think Stafford, and I'm, this is my bold prediction, you can quote me to freezing cold takes. You can try to. I have them blocked on Twitter. But Stafford is going to an MVP caliber season, and it's what the Lions need to get through this weird, crazy, frantic year of 2020. Offensive lines will not be put together well, I know. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald type players out there, as Mansoor said during the break, I believe, are going to eat everyone during the season. I know. Stafford, however, has more than enough weapons out there. He has more than enough weapons with Kenny Galladay, who should be having a great season himself. He has TJ Hawkinson out there, who I think should be a better offensive weapon. I, I would hope so. But he's got enough. What, where have we seen Stafford thrive before? It's when he has options. And Stafford has plenty of options on this offense. He's got a, a, an, an improved backfield on the run game. You just hope DeAndre Swift proves his worth. Carry on. Johnson comes back from injury. Hallelujah. And you hate, and you hope these wide receivers between Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay and whoever else makes the roster. I kind of feel like I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anyone besides Quintez Cephas. I, I don't want to quit jinx Quintez Cephas either. I want him. He's going to make the roster, but This is a plurality of weapons. Stafford thrives well with a plurality of weapons. Stafford thrives well when he's pissed. And I just hope that this is the year and I am staking my claim to it. Stafford, not only just the offensive MVP, because that's always a shoe in for the for the quarterback of the team for the Lions. But are we talking? I'm talking top five performance for a quarterback in the 2020 NFL season. Unless he gets hurt, then throw this all out the window. Um, I mean, like what I said on defense about stars shining, I think it applies to offense too, right? Uh, yes. Stafford is a star. Kenny Galladay is a star. You can say Marvin Jones even is a star. Secondaries aren't going to be as coordinated and not as good as they were before. And you have star corners that will do great in one-on-ones, but like especially teams that play zone coverage or teams that require a lot of like help from safeties, the coordination, the chemistry won't be there. So, I mean, we'll get a lot of like Kenny Galladay against a corner with no help coming. And that's a place where Kenny Galladay dominates. Kenny Galladay dominates, like making those like high point catches. And I mean, Stafford, if 
like yeah i mean if the defense is not on point or they're like kind of lost or um disorganized stafford he's a smart player he's a great player he has a he has like the talent and the skills and the mentality to take advantage of it so like the same problem we're saying the defense has that they don't have enough stars in this type of season the offense has like we the offense has the stars needs needed to succeed yeah I, I'm, I'm with you full and first like i'm still i'm still reeling just from hearing optimistic chris like he's wearing a shirt sir he's like I don't know if that beer is Honolulu blue flavored or, or what, but yeah, uh, I cracked the beer forward. during the break. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And, and actually Mansoor put out an article a month or two ago about how things were lined up kind of perfectly for Matthew Stafford to make an MVP run this year, because not only does he have all the weapons that he just mentioned, but he could potentially bring a really big story. I mean, to be an MVP candidate, you have to have a team accomplishment. And we just got done talking about how this division was ripe for the taking. So if the Lions win their first NFC North division ever with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, like he's going to get MVP votes, period. No question about it. And I mean, you he'll, probably get come, he'll probably get comeback player of the year. I, I think I mean, he should yeah. win that. If, if he does sure. that, absolutely comeback player. There's sexier options out there for MVP, I think, to win it. But you're right. He will get some votes for it. Yeah. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, another guy, you probably have to look out for that just because he, nah. he lost his whole season to injury, too. But um, but just like going through the skill position players, the wide receivers, I would say, are at least on par who, from who they were last year. Maybe you're expecting a little bit of regression from Danny Amendola now that he's 46 or whatever he is. Um, tight ends, either the same or better. I think TJ Hawkinson is going to take a huge jump this year. So I'm going to say better running backs are undoubtedly better wide receivers. They're deeper too. So if Dan, Danny Amendola proves, you know, maybe father time finally catches up with him guy like Jamal Agnew, who I think is going to make the team and, and potentially play some wide receiver reps this year. I think he's a pretty formidable replacement as you kind of alluded to Chris too, Quintus Cephas. Um, when the when Kenny Galladay or I'm sorry when Marvin Jones got injured last year, who came in for him? Does anyone even remember? Oh man, Chris, who was it? Chris, Actually. Chris Lacey, maybe, oh. and he caught. <laughs> yeah, it was like Fulgham yeah. who didn't catch anything. Fulgham, yeah, yeah, Fulgham <laughs> and Lacey, I think, combined for three total catches. I think, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, you, you bring in Quintus Cephas. He he looks already ready in camp. So if one of those guys gets injured, it's not like Cephas is going to put up Marvin Jones type of numbers, but he's going to be an impact. Like he's going to be there. And so the lines are deeper at their skill position players. They're better. And the only question mark is that offensive line. And honestly, I don't think it's that much of a downgrade from last year. It is a downgrade. I'm not going to gloss over that. I think, but I think Halapuli Vati Vaitai is basically, basically a push with Rick Wagner. And then Jonah mm -hmm. Jackson has looked really, really good in camp. He's not going to be Graham Glasgow right away. There's no chance of that happening. Um, but he's going to be okay. And so I'm, I'm super high on this offense. I'm, I'm very excited. The only thing that can get in their way is some early offensive line struggles, and they, they have to go up against some really good defensive line uh, in this division. And they've and got to go against the Bears to open the season. I think yes. that will throw some shade onto it. But again, week, as we've said it many times in this podcast before, week one, temper your expectations, especially in this year. Yeah, especially and, and, offensive lines, like in sure. general, even without a COVID season, offensive lines always, I think it was a problem. Like in 2016, we were talking about how like, is the offensive line position dead? Cause these kids come from college and they're just not good enough to keep up with the, def the defense, the defenders. Right. But it was more of that just, they just suck in the beginning of the season because they don't know what they're doing. So yeah. imagine that. Plus you have, not to, you have to gel as a unit. Offensive line, yeah. offensive line has to gel as a unit that takes time. That plus not having a preseason this year, like, 
And the fact that at least, what, two of our, three of our starters are going to be new? Two, at least two of our starters are going to be new. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they're, they're probably going to get run over a bit early on, yeah. but who knows? Finish your point, Jeremy. I'm sorry. We kind of interrupted you there. No, uh, my other point was the only thing that can get in their way. And we talked a little bit about it off air is, is the coaching staff, right? We, yes, you look at how this team has, has been trying to build with a guy like Halapuli Vati Vaitai, who's a much better run blocker than pass blocker. You've seen them draft three running backs in the past two years. They're going to try to run the ball. And you know what? I feel like last year we were saying the same thing and then we saw Matthew Stafford go off and we're like, oh, maybe we overestimated how how much this team is going to run the ball. But you know what? We didn't. Because if you look a little bit closer into what happened last year, this team ran the ball, I think, in the top seven uh, in terms of percentage of of running on early downs uh, in neutral situations. They they ran the ball essentially more than 75% of the league on, on neutral downs. And so that's going to continue. And it, it, the thing is, when Matthew Stafford is converting every third and eight, you tend not to notice. But it's not always going to work out that way. Stafford can't stand on his head all the time. So there, there is a, a coaching element that I think needs to, to adjust to, to make Stafford as good as he was last year. And I'll be honest, I don't see that happening you're also you're also losing a lot of like this offense has a lot of big play potential obviously galladay jones who are the biggest best deep receivers in the league and then all like the speedy guys we have but you yeah you lose all of that when on first down you're running up the middle because you're not taking a shot on first and ten and if you're running up the middle on first down and getting four yards sure so like second and six is good but if you're not getting the second and one you don't get that free down to take a shot like you lose a lot like this offense has a ton of big play potential but like we just we just don't use it because neutral downs, that's when you should take a shot. You know, like when if you throw any completion, like it's fine. You have two more downs. But we're like, nope, we're we're going to move the chains. Let's get to second and six. And it's like, why? Why? Why are we doing that? Yeah. If I was Stafford, I would go up to the coordinators and I would go up to, to Patricia and I would say to them, just this season, trust me. Trust me to get this done. And I know they've got a brand new weapon with DeAndre Swift. I want to talk of the running game here in a second. This maybe dovetails into it. The running game is, it's, it's, it's maybe not better, but there's more of it now. Does that make sense? Like, there's, there's, it's not just carry on Johnson we're worrying about here, but you got DeAndre Swift, you got carry on Johnson. Um, we'll see who wins the next running back after that. But at the same time, like this stat, this offense has to go for, through Stafford first. And a lot of that does come from, as you say, not taking away downs from Stafford when you know he can get you past the sticks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that. And I, I wish the coaching staff, I wish Matt Patricia wasn't a guy necessarily that just thinks you have to run the ball and stop the run to win games. And maybe he's going to learn this year. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> We've Maybe. seen him grow, but that that to me is a, <laughs> is a step beyond I think he's capable or, or I, it's not that he's not capable of doing. I just don't think he has any interest in it. I think in terms of his football philosophy, he's very rigid and I don't see that changing. And so the, the, the solution is, well, hopefully all the pieces that you got to make a good running game to become either Seattle, you know, Bevel's version of Seattle or, or the Niners or whatever they want to be. Hopefully all those pieces worked out because it, it is possible to be kind of a run firsty kind of offense and succeed in this NFL. I don't want to say it's impossible, but when you got a guy like Stafford, when you got a couple of deep ball catchers in Galladay and, and Jones, I just don't understand that strategy. 
the Niners well, think, are, oh, or sorry, the Niners yeah. are interesting no. where their running backs are like, I think Swift meets the criteria of a Niners running back, but they were using like Matt Brito is like one of the fastest players in the league, right? Raheem Mostert, one of the fastest yes. players. Their Debo Samuel is a wide receiver and he was being like used as kind of running back E type. So I think like even, even to that point, like it would have to be Jason Huntley and DeAndre Swift and Jamal Agnew playing running back for us to like replicate what the Niners are doing. I don't, I don't see like carry like carry on Johnson. Isn't that type of guy. If that makes sense. So like, yes, that makes yeah, sense. You have, you have to be a big play run game, not like a lions type run between the tackles run game. So to dovetail into the run game, you do see this run game still kind of fancying itself as kind of a power push through, push through the tackles kind of run run game. Is that what I'm getting from you, man, sir? Even though they have guys like Swift, I think could, so. Right? We I mean, see it buried. That is that is what we're. I believe we're trying to do. I mean, obviously, maybe bringing in Huntley and Swift already have Ty Johnson moving Jabal Agnew to offense. Maybe that's signaling that we're trying to be the, the Niners, which I think is a really good idea. But, yes, I mean, I Niners with a much better quarterback. That would be a fantastic. Yeah, no, exactly. N- Niners with the an elite quarterback, which is an incredible offense. But I don't. I mean. There's nothing to say that, I guess, you know, like that's more speculation than it is anything concrete I'm seeing, right? Like I haven't seen this team play at all since December, so I can't say. Right. I, the, the only thing I would say maybe counter that point is just the kind of offensive linemen they're getting. It's like they, they do seem to be wanting to get nitty and gritty and rough and, you know, yeah. maulers. They, they want these big guys, mm-hmm. not necessarily the athletic ones on the inside. And so, I mean... It, it almost seems like the, the running back doesn't necessarily match the offensive line where they're, they're trying to ground and pound on the line, but then they have these speedsters that can kick it out and, and run misdirection plays and counters and things like that. And, and maybe, maybe it works out, but when you move on from a guy like Graham Glasgow, who, who seems perfectly fit for being one of those athletic guys that can move around, it's like, okay, well, what are we trying to do here? And, and not to say that a guy like Swift and carry on and, and maybe even Ty Johnson and Huntley can't run between the tackles. I think they can. I think they're kind of, it, their size is a little uh, deceptive in in their style of play, but like you said, like the 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 big play threats are kind of on the outside and and with is utilizing their speed more than their power, and I'm not sure that's what the Lions plan on doing with them. All right, what else do we want to talk about on offense, uh, or should I move on to special teams? You want to talk Hawkinson at all? We didn't. We've barely talked. Let's, about you know what? You're, you are. God damn, Jeremy, you are absolutely right. Let's talk Hawkinson. Someone is going to get mad at me because I just blasphemed, but guess what? I'm a Catholic, so, you know, I'm, I'm forgiven. Uh, let's talk about Hawkinson because this is absolutely a year. Like, last year was, last year was disappointing. I, I, I don't, I, I know that we were, maybe that's on us because I know we were talking about, yeah, Hawkinson, we know tight ends are supposed to, you know, take some time to develop in these leagues, but we think Hawkinson, especially as an eighth overall pick, he was eighth overall, right? I'm just mm-hmm. making sure. Okay, just making sure I, I had my number right. Um, but we thought he'd come out of the gate and still show himself impressively. And instead, like maybe he was decent as far as setting up for the for the blocking game, but he was not the offensive weapon I think we were expecting. And Iowa Iowa tight ends have been a hot commodity the last couple of years. But what are we seeing? What what do we think Hawkinson is going to do this year? Well, he showed up to camp in the best shape of his life. Ding! He, he really studied the playbook. Ding! <laughs> it's in the second year with a new offensive coordinator learning a new offense. 
<laughs> no, but for real, like I, I do think th- everything is primed for a breakout year. The the only thing holding Hawkinson back to me is just the ability for this offense to spread the ball as thin as as it probably will. Like so many good receiving threats, including out of the backfield that I'm not expecting Hawkinson to get eight catches and 80 yards every game. Like that's not going to happen, but he's going to have big games like he did against Arizona more not I wouldn't say more often than not but like it's not just going to be one time this year he's going to show up big and I would say at least five or six games this year and I expect him to fish finish in the top 10 in terms of receiving yards for tight ends I expect him to be uh, a much more well-rounded player um I I do kind of want to bring up the upper body strength like it's it's significantly different I, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not saying like he's in the best shape of his life he's way much like you can see in pictures he's a lot more buff He he spent all that time while he was rehabbing his ankle um, working on his upper body. I think he's going to be stronger. I think he's now utilizing that strength a little bit better based on what I saw in camp in terms of being a physical receiver and creating a little separation at the top of his routes. I'm really excited for him. I'm almost as hype about Hawkinson as I am about Stafford. Cause I think it, it could really be a huge year for him. I think this team this year is probably going to be one where like a different guy, if anyone's going off, it's going to be like a different guy every week. Like yeah. you take away Galladay, then it's Jones. You take away Jones, then it's Amendola, it's Cephas. And I think, yeah, so like what Jeremy said, where there's going to be like one or two games where Hawkinson's going to be the guy. You know, like the we're going to find that Hawkinson's the one who can exploit the weakness because they're focusing so much on Galladay. So, yeah, I mean, he, it's not going to be a consistent thing, but you might see like three games where he gets 200 yards, or not 200 yards, he, like three games where he gets like 150 yards and then like sporadic contri- contributions in between. But I think don't be disappointed if he has like three or four to zero games because I think it's just what it is. Yeah, it's I, I think I think they're trying to figure out like, yeah, you're right. There is a plurality of receivers in those situations. Tight ends do get neglected. He can do more good blocking if they are going to use, especially if they're going to use the slot quite a bit in any kind of uh, offensive scheme coming up. But at the end of the day, and like, yeah, that that's kind of the role of the tight end. You're, you're supposed to be multifaceted like that at the end of the day. So that being said, Jesse James isn't going to do anything. Don't, (laughs) don't, don't fall into that trap. Like year two jump jump for him, Jesse James. I I, I just heard the guy talk a a couple hours ago and, and he's not impressed. Well, no, no. I mean, he's, I'm just saying Jeremy, the hater. He's all optimistic. You know, he, he had a conversation with Daryl Bevel. We have a new tight ends coach, which could, you know, impact things. But based on when I saw at camp, like I just, I don't see anything. I don't see how that signing made any sense. I don't see how he's going to be any more comfortable. He's certainly not going to bring a lot of targets when the Lions have so many more options on this offense. Lions are just going to have to eat that contract for this year and probably next year and maybe even the year after that. And it sucks. (laughs) It happens. All right. Real quick, before, before we go to break, Real quick, I want MVPs from each of you that you think is going to happen. We're kind of, for, uh, I'm kind of preempting Jeremy's uh, articles coming out for next week where he's polling the staff, the one that I still need to write tonight. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MVP on the offense and MVP on the defense. Let's go. My MVP on the offense will be Joe Dahl. 
think, no, no. You bastard. Matt no, Matt Stafford, of course. I mean, okay, I, can I let, let's leave out, you know what? Cy Young, I, like Stafford gets that and we do the next Yeah, can we Cy Young Stafford yeah, out of the way? Like, yeah. I always hate this about offensive MVP because it is Stafford until we say otherwise. Yeah. So offensive MP, MVP that is not the quarterback. I think DeAndre Swift with a big year mm. could be like, I don't want to say he's going to have the same production as McCaffrey, but he could do like that same thing where he's like one of our top receivers and our top rusher. I think it's a possibility. And with as much as this team wants to run the ball, he'll get a ton of carries. And if, if teams focus their defense on the receivers, I think he could be a guy that might have a few big games. So maybe DeAndre Swift. And who on, who on defense? Oh, uh, Trey Flowers, because why not? Okay. <laughs> Jeremy, who, do you, who are you taking? It's kind of funny how many options there are on offense and how few there are on defense. Uh, I think I'm going Kenny Galladay on offense. Uh, he was certainly the MVP last year. I don't see that slowing down at all, even with all the other weapons. I think this is a guy who's been a monster at camp. Um, the, the way he catches contested catch, contested passes are is out of this world. Like, I'm not sure there's anyone better at it. Um, I, I don't think he's necessarily going to take a big step in, in creating separation or things like that. It's just not going to matter because if Matthew Stafford is his quarterback for all 16 games, he knows where to put it where only Kenny Galladay is going to have a chance. And more often than not, Kenny Galladay is going to come down with it. So I think we could see another monster year out of him, maybe push into the top 10 consideration of, of wide receivers in the NFL. And uh, yeah, I would say another double-digit touchdown year for him as well. So I'm going to I'm, I'm cheating a little bit with my defensive pick and I'll get to that in a second. I agree with you on Kenny Galladay. I, I think it's going to be Galladay. I really wanted to say Marvin Jones for old man strong and everything, but uh, I think I do give the edge to Galladay. Jones isn't far behind, though, for me. Uh, can I cheat a little bit and say it's going to be two people on the defense, but no. they share a last name? No. Oh, the Aquaras. <laughs> I want to say the Aquara brothers. One of them is going to push the other into defensive MVP category. I, I say this is someone who, playing time this year. What? <laughs> like, you don't? Like, I well, mean, no, they'll, they'll, they'll get play, but not substantially. Like, yeah, like, not <laughs> substantially. Together they form one starter. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I'm, I'm half bullshitting here, but as someone who comes from having one brother in a household, that brother energy will get you places. It will take you places. Uh, no, if I have to pick someone on the defense, I mean, man, I, 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 I'm, I'm flubbing here a little bit. I want to, I don't even, you know what? I don't even have a defensive pick. I, I guess Trey flowers. I kept looking at the linebacker core and I'm like, can I take someone here? Can I take someone here besides Jared Davis? No, Jared Davis go over here. Uh, could it be, can I take the Vi? But like, I just, I have to go flowers. I mean, it could it could be Jamie Collins. He could be kind of that key piece that that brings everything together in the linebacking core. But I I, I think I'm going to go with kind of the the trendy pick here and and go with uh yeah I'll go with Tracy Walker. I think uh, this could be a big year for him. I think um, we we've seen flashes of him. You know his range, his speediness, his his ability to to cover tight ends, which is something that that we haven't seen consistently in Detroit for a long time. So. I think, you know, with Duran Harmon there to, to protect the back end, uh, I'm not buying any of this. You know, he's not getting first team reps in training camp. What's going on? This, this coaching staff has turned on him or anything like that. I, I think it's a big year for him. And, uh, you know, I think, I think he takes an inch closer to what we've seen 
uh, with a guy like Glover Quinn, even though they don't quite play the same position. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to run down the schedule here, the full schedule, all 16 games. I don't think we'll pick all of them, but I want to get like, you know, what games are you most excited for? What games scare you the most? What's going to be the hardest stretch? I have a question for you guys about the bye week. I have a question for you guys about the home field. And then we're going to give our various bold predictions out there, Kool-Aids and other takes. So stick around. We're wrapping up here. Our big, big Lions, Lions, Lions preview podcast on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Finishing down the stretch here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Once again, find us on Pride of Detroit, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Search for it on YouTube, Pride of Detroit. Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Oh my, Stitcher, I think. This list gets longer and longer every time we do it, JRB. There's going to come a day where I'm just not going to be able to stop. It's going to be the whole podcast. (laughs) Just diversify your bonds. And your podcast platforms. Yes. Download it on every single podcast. That If there's one message you can come from today's podcast, download it on every single platform you can. Please download do, especially since, especially since Jeremy is stealing money from me by putting this on YouTube now. So We're not making money on YouTube. Are you you're, steal, you're stealing. You're taking the food out of Chris's cat's mouth. <laughs> yeah, my big fat cat who has wandered into the, into the uh, camera. He doesn't. You know what? When you guys give bites to Jeremy, it doesn't I, I that cat doesn't get appearances. On Twitch, but if you are on Twitch, you can give channel points and get Jeremy to show you his lovely dog Zazu. So hence another reason why you should watch us live and then download the podcast several times. There you go. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the schedule. Uh, just as an opening nugget, who looking at look at the schedule right now. Swallow your pride, swallow your fears. Analytically, who is the right now on paper? This will change with the season. Right now on paper, who is the toughest opponent you believe the Lions will face and why? Hmm. I think I think I have to go to the Saints. Um, that just that has all the makings of a ridiculous shootout. And I know the Saints are kind of nearing their eclipse here, nearing their, their peak where, you know, they're, they're, they're facing a fork in the road with what happens after Drew Brees leaves, retires, all that stuff. But for now, there's still a huge offensive behemoth and we still have all these questions about the Lions defense. And so it's going to be a shootout and I don't have a ton of faith in, in the Saints defense either. So, you know, the Lions could certainly keep pace and I feel like they're going to keep pace with a lot of teams this year. Um, but I don't know. Most of the time, a shootout with the Saints is a bad proposition, and I feel like it could be again this year. Kind of before the same reasons, I'm going to say the Bucks. 
Uh, they're absolutely loaded with off- offensive weapons. And, I mean, obviously Week 16, we don't know what the league will look like, who's going to be in the game, uh, whether or not uh, Okuda's turned into an elite corner or anything yet. But, like, we probably aren't prepared to deal with those offensive weapons, but they might not be prepared to deal with ours. So it also might just be, like, a 49-42 shootout or something. So, yeah, I'm going to say Tampa Bay. But yeah, the Saints probably close second. And the Saints, because they're earlier on in the season, I feel like it'll be even messier on defense. So that actually right. might play into it more, yeah. This is going to be a weird one for me, but I think that road game on the tw- the week before against the Titans is probably what I am going to pick. Just because the Titans, like they, they, their record wasn't fantastic last year, but they showed that they have the caliber to be a playoff team and hang with anyone last year. Like Mike Vrabel, for whatever faults you can give him, even though they don't seem to have much of a quarterback at all, if any. Like that's that's not a. I'm not scared of Ryan Tannehill. I'm not scared of Trevor Simeon. I am scared of what the Titans can do on the ground, and I am scared of what the Titans can do on defense. So you're you're saying the team that has a really good defense and a really good run game, those are the teams you should be fearful of, huh? I are think I said that- on on the podcast last year that the Titans are basically what the Lions want. To. They, they, <laughs> right. they're, they're literally just what the Lions like should have been. They you said it, that right? about the 49ers too, this podcast. So it's oh. like, oh, yeah, no, well, yeah, the Titans some more. That's the model because that's they, the have, model. they have literally like, the yeah. Patriots, like, Patriots guy, the same similar defensive style. Like, they're, they're what the Lions want to be. Like, yeah, Matt Patricia goes to sleep every night looking at a Titans logo. <laughs> I am, I am a little scared about taking a road game against the Cardinals this early in the season when I think Kyler Murray, this could be his breakout year, kind of like what we saw last year with Lamar Jackson. Like Kyler Murray's offense, I know people bagged on Kyler, Kyler Murray a little bit. His offensive line last year was not good. It was not good at all. It was one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL on paper. Uh, Kyler Murray could do very well this year. A road game in Arizona early in the season. What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? With that in mind, since we talked about, it, like, can I just say, like, that those are our toughest games we've talked about: Cardinals, uh, Bucks, Saints. Titans, Saints. How do you guys? I, I don't. I look at that though, and I see. Okay, I see the Saints on the cli- decline. The Titans have flaws you can attack. The Bucks. Who knows how much juice Tom Brady still has at the end of the year? Like, how how tough are is the schedule for the Lions? Do you guys think? Because I mean, I'm looking at our other out of division games. Like, you've got the emasculated Jaguars. You've got a Falcons team that might not even have its coach by the end of October. You've got the Washington Football Team. Who knows what happens there? Colts, Panthers, Texans. And then the NFC North, which we've already said, is probably going to be a very weak division this year. What what do you make of the schedule? Yeah, it's it's definitely not the hardest schedule. I mean, the division's weak, and then the AFC South is in kind of a weird place. Like you said, the Jags are the Jags aren't going to do anything. They're in the middle uh, of a fire sale, like yeah, exactly. as we speak. Yeah, the the Texans and Titans they're the contenders there, but they're not. Both of them have very obvious flaws that could damn them. I'm not saying we're better than them or anything, but they have, you know, they're they're definitely a team that isn't like foolproof. And then I don't think the Colts. I think there's a lot of hype around the Colts, right? I feel like people kind mm. of like them. I don't they think pick they're them every gonna, year. I feel like I don't think they're going to do anything this year. I think they're well. You hate Philip Rivers. Uh, Philip Rivers is awful. Like he's. <laughs> I, like, I, 
I don't know. Like I, I I'm, I'm he with can't you, play. Yeah. He he's he just can't play anymore. And I think like that offense, it's better than the Bears' offense, but it's it's it might just be a black hole too. So I'm not I'm not too big on the Colts. So yeah, we definitely got easy matchups, but I think hey, we're bad too. So <laughs> you know. <laughs> Right. I mean, and ultimately, when you talk about the schedule, you have to talk about the division. And we spent a lot of this podcast already talking about how this isn't a very good division. So that's six games right off the bat. You know, we're almost talking about half the schedule there. Um, Not against great teams, really mediocre teams. Again, Lions are probably a mediocre team, too. But I feel like, you know, the, the tough games that we just mentioned, I don't think the Lions are like more than a seven point dog in any of those games. They should be contenders in just about every one of those games, which means, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't look at the schedule and, and, and shaking my boots necessarily. The AFC South, as Mansoor was mentioning, okay at best, you know, maybe top heavy, but those two bottom teams in, in the Colts and the Jags are, are teams that could easily be, be taken, I think. Um, and then you look around who they've got in the NFC this year. They've got the NFC South. Is that right? Yeah. NFC South. Yes. And the Panthers are down there with them. The Panthers are right down there with the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. They're not, they're so not they're doing anything either. Yeah. Rebuild. So Falcons, I, I barely. Yeah. Falcons are kind of hit and miss. Um, obviously, I, I think the, the team to beat there is, as we mentioned before, the Bucks. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just, and then, and then there's the Saints. So, and there's Washington on there too, but I don't think much of them either. No, there's there's a reason the Lions are playing the Washington the Washington football team this year, and it's because they both placed last in their division last year. So uh, I think the Lions are in a better spot than where Washington is. So I'm I'm kind of optimistic on the schedule. I don't think it's too bad. Yeah, hey, I think we also we kind of catch the Saints at the right time because they're probably all around the best. Like, like you know what I mean? Like top to bottom, they're probably the team with the least amount of just like glaring flaws, but also like we might catch them at a point where maybe they haven't put it all together yet because it's only four weeks in the season. So I think having that game early is kind of nice. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, so is there a stretch of this schedule where, well, before, is there a stretch of the schedule that guys, that you guys get concerned about? And I guess this also kind of dovetails into another question I have is that how are you guys feeling that once again, the lions, they play four games and then they're by. <laughs> Once again, well, the Lions yeah. are shanked with an early buy. Well, it's interesting because I, if you're talking about a, a stretch of the schedule that I'm worried about, it's those four games. Yes, I mean, and that's basically talk- the Lions' preseason too. Yeah, we we mentioned it earlier. Start with two division games that you can't you pro- you can't afford to go zero and two right off the bat against the Bears and then at Green Bay. So those are two tough games. We talked about Arizona playing on the road there against a team that could be a lot better than they were last year. We all know what happened last year. And then the other one is Saints. So we're talking about four really coin toss games where I would probably have the Lions as underdogs for three of those games. And so heading into the bye one and three would be a, a, a rough start to the year. You know, we'd, we'd be talking about Matt Patricia being on the hot seat. We'd be talking about the end of an era, maybe even Matthew Stafford. Talk about Bob Quinn, like, maybe. Or yeah, like, I mean, we would be talking some serious doom and gloom about this team if they went one and three into that bye week. And uh, the whole early bye week is a whole nother issue, but th- how this team starts out of the gate and we have no idea how any team is going to look out of the gate um, is going to be really, really important. And it, it's something I probably have the biggest concern about. I would, I would say the last six Thanksgiving to the close. I mean, if the divisions is 
is as competitive as we expect. That's three like three games in division, one against each team. They'll also probably be fighting for like a division uh, division title, maybe a fringe wild card spot. The Texans, the Titans, and the Bucks are in the other three games in there. And those are three I really mean, tough teams to fight. Yeah, so it's the the three divisional games, and then Texans, Titans, Bucks end the season. That's a that's a really rough stretch for what is the stretch that will de- probably define our season. Right, those last six before the playoffs and. I mean, I think, yeah, like uh, there's a very obviously a weak point in our schedule. Be- I mean, Jerry picked the first four. I picked the last six. So you can see where we where we left off. So there's a very obvious like point where we could, you know, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Minnesota, Washington, Carolina, that like six game stretch from week six to week 10. I think that might get a lot that's of people excited, yeah. especially for the upcoming like playoff race. So, like that's that's a stretch. We can go five and one, maybe six and oh in. That, you know, everyone's going to be excited. Like, oh, man, here we go. Playoff time. And then we run into <laughs> the, the vapors. The yeah, vapors. We might we actually might go like six straight in that stretch as hard as that is in the NFL. And like that's going to have everyone going. And then then the gauntlet it, comes. I think you're on to something in that I feel like this schedule, it has the makings of the 2016 season written on it. Not in the comebacks, but in that like it was like hot. It was cold, hot, cold for the hmm. Lions, right? Like yeah. they started 2016 not doing great. Then suddenly we had all those comeback wins. All those comeback wins. The Lions are winning an ungodly number of games straight. And you get the end of the season and you start to see them taper off right until they just bomb out against the Seahawks mm-hmm. in the wild card round. That's that's what this schedule feels like. I don't know if it makes the wild card rounds, but I'm just saying like that that cold, hot cold is definitely there with this schedule on paper. Mm-hmm. And like what what you mentioned with the bye week being early, I think this year, I think it could be beneficial to have it early. Maybe like if the first four games are a mess, regroup, take a week off, re like you know like re like figure out what the team's doing, what the team's identity is. I think maybe an early bye week could help this year with like how weird we expect the start of the season to be. I can actually agree with that. I I think it can because like you're getting that after. Excuse me if I check here. Four games, this, right? Yeah. So you usually get you don't even get a week off between preseason and the regular season. No. Well, I mean, uh, so. they, I mean, no one who's going to be playing week one in a substantial role is probably playing week four. Like, yeah, basically. Yes. Yeah. So it's basically your preseason, except these games count. Yeah. So do that. Uh, don't mess up. Try to win at least two of them somehow and then regroup in week five and just figure out what's going on i don't know the detroit lions 2020 don't screw this one up (laughs) i just i don't know i hate the early bye week i hate having to play having to finish the season 12 straight games in 12 straight weeks um i mean it could even be further complicated by covid like if if covid hits this team in, in week seven like there's no reprieve there's no break where you can you know, quarantine or whatever you have to do. Um, obviously, all that sort of stuff is speculation, but something you kind of have to keep in the back of your mind. There's, there's no break for them. There's no hitting the brakes um, when when this season is in full gear come October. You just you're going, you're going, and there's no stopping. And I don't know. It, I I I've seen it take its toll on locker rooms before, and I, I feel like it can again. Of course, winning cures all, though. So if if the Lions yes. get on a roll, if they hit that cushy part in the middle of the season and and go on a six game run, then then maybe it won't matter. Maybe they'll just you know they'll build momentum and and, mm. and be fine. But uh, in general, I just I I'm I'm frustrated to see that bye week so early again. I don't like it. 
you said the magic word. I didn't want to talk too much COVID in here because I feel like a I'm drained from everyone talking about it a little bit too much. I think the what ifs kill us a little bit. Sure. sure. Like uh, I can totally see it when we're talking about college football because college football isn't guaranteed. Everyone has a lot of different things in the NFL. We know now that they're playing yeah. and we know that they had that they have protocols for travel, which I think is the biggest thing that sets them apart from the from baseball. Right. Is that their protocols are stricter? We saw that with um, who was that kid for the uh, for the Seahawks? I can't remember his name now. Oh, the it's corner who's trying to sneak a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's trying to get the girl in with the uh, with with the Seahawks gear. Yeah, like they have protocols in place, and they're saying you guys are going to be in these kind of mini quarantines. You're not going to be a full bubble, but you are going to be quarantined in various ways. And I think the picture looks different than what it did back in, say, June. We now have testing that is like light years ahead from what we used to have. Like, I remember I had to get tested. We had something going through one of the places I work around July 4th, and it took me almost a week to get the results back. From what I understand about these new tests that are coming out now, we're going to see really rapid turnarounds for a lot of them. So I think that does matter at the end of the day. However, if a game does get canceled or rescheduled i i don't know what's going to happen there so i just for the time being i have to assume that everyone's going to play 16 games probably not every team is going to play 16 games at the end of the season but you just have to kind of operate on that until we get word elsewhere it just it's it's what it has to be for the nfl the other part about this weird covid scenario is that as far as I know, to start the season, Jeremy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, there are not going to be fans at Ford Field. Now, I know they wanted to try to have fans there, but there's not going to be fans there. That's not going to be the same for every stadium across the NFL. Some people, some states are going to allow fans in. Some others are not. But our friend, our very good, lovable, lovable, lovable friend, Michael Rothstein from ESPN, pointed this out on Twitter. One of the weird things because of this change where there are no fans in there, where there are no fans in the stands, where we have pumped in crowd noise, is that home field is going to be really different for the Lions. If the Lions ever got off to early in the season a bad start or they were on a bad stretch, we would have Bronx cheers and Boo Birds galore for the Lions. Detroit's a tough home crowd. No way around it. It's also a tough crowd for for road teams to play in when the team when the fans are actually behind the Detroit Lions, which again isn't always a given. But as Mike pointed out, like how accurate is the crowd noise going to be? It's certainly not going to be as loud as a packed forward field at the end of the day, but also it's not going to have sarcastic cheers when the Lions are down 20 and manage to get a first down for the first time in like a quarter and a half. That's just not yeah. going to be there in the canned in the canned crowd noise, right? Yeah, I've, I don't know. Crowd noise to me only really matters when it comes to forcing false starts. To me, everything else is just like a narrative. Like the right. fact that fans are booing, does that affect team performance? I doubt it. I think it's just it's it's a bad image, right? Like having the yes. Jets chanting J E T S Jets 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 at the end of the the season opener on Monday night. It's a bad look. It's a bad image for the franchise, but doesn't affect much on the on the field I don't think. The the one thing that I think could really be impacted this year 
and I, I actually kind of heard this from an NPR podcast, not to be too soy boy, uh, like like people think I am. But can you do the soy uh, face for Twitch? Can you do soy face for Twitch? Even know what no, soy face is? I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to do it. Just open uh, your mouth. Like, no, just uh, send that for listen but, to NPR. Look at him. But it was an NPR podcast, and they said the biggest impact that that they expect this year is officiating officiating differences because the mm. one the one market difference that you do see from home and like the biggest factor in home field advantage is officiating because they feel pressured by a home crowd that's booing them that's going crazy that that's yelling replays at them. on the big tv yes sure yeah, yeah. and you get yeah. Yeah, exactly well you, you'll still get that obviously i i would think actually that that's a really good question are they showing instant replays in a fanless stadium I bet they still are. Uh, I, I think the players, just try the to, players yeah. look at it. Yeah, right. Yeah. The players look yeah. at it. I, th- I think probably the media would want to see it as well. Coaching so staff definitely looks at it too. We've known you're still that. Getting yeah. that. You're still going to get that advantage. But in terms of like the pressure of a home crowd on an official, you're not going to get. And so I think there is might be there might be a leveling out of uh, of officiating. And that's great news for the Detroit Lions fans because guess who doesn't have fans for the first? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Guess who doesn't Packers, have fans? The Packers, the Packers don't have fans for the first two games and the lines are playing them in week two so guess what we're getting all the holding calls <laughs> uh, yeah i think the nba nba commentators have been mentioning it a lot too that like you know some some calls where um the ref might let the guy get away with the travel or maybe like this wouldn't you know like this like touchy foul wouldn't have been called if team x was at home and like the commentators are mentioning it. they're like yeah like if we were in the thunder stadium and there were 20k people screaming at the ref he probably gives it the call but he's confident here so i think yeah we'll probably definitely we'll definitely see that translate to the nfl too where maybe some borderline calls where the ref would be scared to make because the home crowd will yell at him he'll just make it because he he doesn't he doesn't care anymore i think that's a great point yeah i it's going to be interesting i think we we've seen kind of in the nba bubble officiating's been all over the place like Putting aside Scott Foster inserting himself into the end of Thunder of Thunder Rockets in Game Seven the other night, like it's been kind of a weird place, and I'm I'm curious. And refs are human too. I'm curious how they're going to be dealing with COVID and you know quarantine and everything else along with all of this too. And I think I mean I think NBA refs have been stricter from what I've seen and heard. Yes, I mean I'm not they someone who watches. Have, yes, yeah, I'm not someone who watches a lot of week to week NBA, but from what commentators seem to be saying, they're stricter. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is like you're more confident in calling like ticky tack fouls, which we might see that in the, yeah, exactly. More holdings, more holdings, maybe. more holding, because more, more face mask. Scared. Yeah. 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 Ref's not scared to put himself up there like that more. All right. We're ending, we're reaching the end of the podcast. I want to get to our various predictions, our various bold predictions and any Kool-Aid you might have for the season. So I want your bold predictions, but also like what the fan in you is screaming. Cause at the end of the day, I hate to say it because I'd like to say that we're a neutral arbiter, but we do have that Lions fan within us, like the two wolves within us, the Lions <laughs> doubter and the Lions fan. And I want to hear those wolves scream for a second. But first, bold predictions. Mancer. I don't know if this is bold, but I think like Stafford's going to go crazy. Like I think he, Same he might thing not I was win saying, MVP. Yeah. yeah, he might not win MVP because the wins might not be there, but I think he's going to have like a genuinely incredible season. Jeremy? Week 17, Vikings at Lions will be for the division title. Wow, look at you. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Finally, not playing the Packers the end of the season. Like you said, I do think the Vikings are probably the be- the most well-rounded team in general. Uh, and and I, do, I listen. I do think the Lions have a shot this year. I really do. And and part of it is because the the division isn't that good. Part of it is what Mansoor just said. I think Stafford's in for an absolute monster year. And I've always gone by this this kind of philosophy of mine that says if Stafford plays 16 games, I don't see this team losing 10 games in a season. And, and yes, that did happen in that <laughs> first year when he went six and 10, but I truly view that as this team's floor with, with, uh, with a healthy Matthew Stafford. And so I think this is a, it, at the very least a seven win team. And if, if they can get some of the luck go their way in terms of injury, in terms of, you know, defensive uh, regression, I guess, um, or, whatever the opposite progression, I guess, is that the opposite of no, regression? It's, just, it's yeah. still, it's still regression. It's still regressing yeah, to the mean. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think this team is capable of 10, you know, 11 wins. If, if things bounce the right way, I'm not predicting a 10, 11 win season, but I do think these might be the two best teams in the division. So week 17 is going to be a fun one. I think I like my bull point pred- out the last yeah. time Stafford played 16 games, we did, uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, but that's that is the yeah. most recent time Stafford has played sixteen games. Yep. Right, yep. right. But every other season, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both, Other than that, it's since at least, you know, yeah. two thousand nine or two thousand ten or whatever. I think by the by this time in December, we were we are going to be talking about Kenny Galladay. You know what? This is supposed to be bold, so I might as well go the whole the whole ten yards. Can, we are going to be talking of like the national media is going to be talking about Kenny Galladay the way they used to talk about Calvin Johnson. Some of that's going to be cut because of Stafford. I'm not saying all that's going to be deserving of Kenny Galladay, but I think Kenny Galladay is going to pop eye numbers on fantasy football, and it's going to get people to talk about him in big ways. And it's going to, I mean, he's this, this could potentially be a contract year for him too, for him to make some money. So I think we expect to see Kenny Galladay ball out. That doesn't mean you can call him Babytron, though. Let's make that. No, no, we need a better. We need a better nickname than Babytron. We need a better <laughs> nickname than Kenny G. Get me something good here, folks. They, they don't call him Babytron for nothing. I feel like that's a good bit. No, <laughs> I hate you. Can I we hate kick him? him? Can we kick him? No. <laughs> Too late at this point. I, I mean, I think if he has enough highlight plays, he definitely could get like maybe not to actual skill that's, level. No, to that's that's part level. of yeah. my yeah. That's part of my yeah. prediction is that he's going to make some of those one-handed catches yeah. and, and then, some of those ridiculous contested catches where he's just going over a guy by like half his body to make to make a touchdown. Where it's just it, it's going to look good on Sports Center, is what I'm saying. The baby Tron plays. Oh my god! All right, uh, Kool Aids. So what, what are we saying? It? No, no. What yeah. are we saying? Kenny Galladay's I guess the, Calvin Johnson wasn't Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> I guess those do count as Kool-Aid. So I just, let, let's go on. So right, right off the top, stealing another one from Jeremy. What are we saying for our season, season win, season record? Oh, you're, you're, we're going there. We're, we're giving full on season predictions right now. Right into that wall. Come on, give it to me. Hit me. I want you to hit me. Seven and nine. <laughs> 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 I mean, I think like we could, like what Jeremy said, especially in a, a year like this one, we could probably chance our way to 10, 11 wins. You know, like a few bounce, few balls bounce in our direction, a chance fumble, we recover or something. But I think like that's probably what we are seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven. Like that's probably where the talent on this roster is somewhere in that range. 
I'm taking nine and seven, and I think that's good enough maybe for a wild card. Uh, this might change before my actual written prediction is out, so do not hold it to me. I know I have been doom and gloom in the past, and I think actually last year I had more wins than they'd actually got, and people thought I was Same. low. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had them like, what What did I have them, Jeremy, last year? Six and ten? Probably. Probably. People, people you- yelled at me for several years because I was like, doubting them well you know i i put the lions at 22 last year in my preseason power rankings uh, i'm not gonna, 30th so <laughs> there's no way i see this team finishing with double digit wins no way that i see this team finishing with double digit wins well, you mean, nine can, and seven? yeah, yeah I, I, you that's predict, not double you're digit predicting, you're predicting their absolute ceiling <laughs> absolute ceiling is nine and seven wait so i mean by your prediction they're like an interception away from ten and six right like you know like if if a ball that's goes a long interception man, intersection man days. you can't hey, cross man. that intersection with five seconds left on the on the walk counter hey reggie raglan had a hundred yard interception return practice that counts mm-hmm. practice is, Stafford, is reality all, we haven't all I'm mentioned is reggie Stafford is trash is Stafford throw it or no, <laughs> no. stop it <laughs> All right, I think that's it. We do we have any more get, words? I don't even get the reading at Jeremy's oh, record. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm <laughs> the, big, the big boss. Yeah, I'm. To- I I completely forgot because I'm usually going last, and I jumped in front of Jeremy. Jeremy, what's your prediction? I okay. So I typically get railed for my prediction because I love to just pick eight and eight. He's gonna say twelve and four because, <laughs> like, I I don't know. I I feel like this team is is right there in the middle where. For the, for the past few years, like this team really was essentially an eight and eight team last year, but Stafford got injured. Like they were three, four and one when he got injured. They they had taken some really good teams to to the rails, and yeah, I would say they're an average team. And then I look at this team, and I think they're better. I think defensively they're different, but they have better players for their scheme. They have guys that are comfortable with Patricia, guys that are buying in one hundred percent on defense and offense. I think they're better too. So I'm gonna bump them all the way up. To nine and seven <laughs> <laughs> and you're yelling at me this whole time well no i i think their 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 ceiling is much higher than that i think they could they like i said before 11 even 12 wins is not completely out of the question but at the same time neither is seven and nine like i i think if if i were to put a range on it seven to nine and and ten to six is is, is probably where i see the most you know i would give them like an 85 percent chance of landing somewhere in there I'm going to lean a little bit more on the optimistic side because I, I do like what they're doing off on offense, even if it isn't schematically what, what I would like. I do like some of the moves they made on defense. I think there's, there's a very little chance that they regress or that they get worse, I should say, um, on defense. So I'm at nine and seven. I still think that puts them in the hunt. I, like I said, I think week 17 is for the division and uh, I'm, I'm ready to get this thing started. It's for all the Tostitos, as they would say down in Arizona. All right, everyone, that's it for the POD cast. Once again, subscribe on any of your podcast platforms, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, subscribe and follow on Twitch. Subscribe on Twitch, too, because that throws money to Jeremy's way. Our way. Subscribe and follow us on YouTube. Get us everywhere there. There's going to be a lot of content. And as always, prideofdetroit.com, the classic.com for all that news, everything we're going to be doing this season. It's going to be a really busy season for us. We're hitting all cylinders here. Uh, how many did we say we had? 16? 16 cylinders. Yes. One for yes. each game. 
that damn man well we need to expand that to uh oh, playoffs, 20, that's right to, yeah yeah to 20 cylinders at least <laughs> oh so they don't have a bye week but they're gonna they're gonna run the what they got they're gonna get at the wild card is found is what okay. i'm saying okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take that yeah, yeah, yeah goodbye everyone and we will as always for me christopher fett at christopher fett on twitter mansoor shaheen at mansoor shaheen on twitter jeremy reisman at detroit on lion this is for all of us to you at home see you starside <laughs> <laughs>